Praise the Lord. We want to welcome each one of you to our service this morning, especially those also who are watching online. The Lord has been very good to us. Amen. He has been very, very good to us. Today, my wife and I also celebrate our 44th anniversary. Pray for me. <laughs> Amen. So the Lord has been really uh, such a wonderful, wonderful God. He has blessed us. He has blessed our family. Uh, I always am very, very proud to say that I run a wonderful church. We may not be a big church, as some people consider big, but we thank God that every one of you who are here are such a blessing. Amen. Personally, each individual want to say praise the Lord for your life. All right, this morning, I want to get straight into the Word. I'm going to talk about a breakthrough, having a breakthrough. And I began to look into the meaning of it, and it says this in the dictionary. A breakthrough is a sudden, dramatic, or an important discovery, a development, or an advancement. An act or instance of moving through or beyond an obstacle. So you get medical breakthroughs. You get uh, a breakthrough in technology. You get a breakthrough in science. You, you know, there, there are many areas where people get what they talk about is, oh, we finally have got a breakthrough. They're hoping that there will be a, another breakthrough in the vaccinations that we have been receiving so that we will not receive 25 Right, And uh, that's a bit too, too much. So the opposite of a breakthrough would be a setback or an impasse or a deadlock or, you know, a dead end. And, and we want to find out, you know, two very important things when we think about a breakthrough. The first thing is you must seek for a breakthrough. Breakthroughs don't just happen. Sometimes we want to get past certain things and, and we are just hoping and wishing. But we, we have to understand we must be desperate enough to want a breakthrough. Also, we must also be very specific as to which area I definitely need a breakthrough. Sometimes it could be a health problem that you have been struggling with for a very long time. And you need to have a breakthrough in that area. Or possibly it is even in a marriage relationship or relationships with people. And you need to have a breakthrough and advancement. It seems like everything is just stuck. And life has become very boring. You may need a breakthrough in your financial situation where you are under-resourced. And, and you need the finances in order to have this, what we call, a breakthrough. I need to advance in this area. I need to have some kind of progress in this area or in my work, uh, you know, because it's, it's a very competitive world out there. And you need to say, Lord, you know, I, I must have some kind of a breakthrough, some creative idea that will cause me to advance in my life. Come on, amen. If you understand what I'm talking about. See, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 30 says this. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Sometimes it takes a painful experience. Sometime back, I couldn't come for service because I suddenly got gout. 
that's a painful, <laughs> very painful experience which I now have to change my diet. A lot of things that I love to take, I cannot take anymore. It's like a death sentence <laughs> when it comes to the kind of food that I like to eat. But until I had that experience, I would not change my, my diet. I would enjoy eating stuff that was actually not too good for me. All right? So painful experiences. Have I, am I going through a painful experience where I will decide, listen, I've got to have a breakthrough. Amen. How about your breakthrough with God? How is your relationship with God? Have you had a breakthrough? When was the last time you sensed the reality of God's presence? When was the last time you decided, hey, the Bible is so wonderful. I've got to get back into the Word of God. When was the last time you decided, hey, man, I've got to keep that fellowship. I've got to keep con connecting with people because I need to be fed spiritually as well. I need to have a breakthrough with God. My greatest passion is to have a breakthrough in the church. That we cannot remain the same old, same old kind of thing. There has to be a change. There has to be people who, who catch a passion to reach out to others. Our whole passion was to reach out to others. When I first got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, the Lord put on my heart a burden to just share with people how God can transform a life instantly. When we come to Him, how God can take a life and, and, and just break away the old and, and bring something new inside. And my passion has always been, I want to talk to someone. I want to bless somebody. Come on, amen. We've got to have that passion. Otherwise, you know, we will remain the same and eventually if nothing grows, then it will start to die. We've got to advance. We've got to have a breakthrough in church. Come on, amen. So let's go into the text for this morning. What do I do to get my breakthrough? We're going to go to 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verses 8 through verse 11. It says this, when the Philistines learned that David had been made king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces against him to attack him and to enslave him. But David heard the news and he moved to his fortified place. Then the Philistine army moved in and spread across the entire valley. Another translation says they filled the entire valley. So David sought the Lord in prayer. And he asked, should I go out, uh, should I go fight these Philistines? Will you give them over to me? The Lord replied, yes, go ahead. You can certainly count on me to give you the victory. So David went out and defeated them. Then David said, I watched the Lord break through my enemies like a mighty flood. So he named the place the Lord broke through. I watched the Lord break through my enemies like a mighty flood. You know, there's a scripture where people use that very often. And they say, you know, where the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard. Actually, that's not true. It says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard. God will come in like a flood. Come on, amen. We sang that song just now also, all right? So number one, I want to just share a few thoughts. Everything begins with a promotion. 
When God comes into the picture, when God comes into our life, we receive a sudden breakthrough. We receive a promotion. So it says this, when the Philistines learned that David had been made king, when God comes in, there is a sudden launching of our lives. We, we are transformed almost instantly. What happens is we were Sinners, but suddenly, overnight, I mean, when God came in, we now become sons of God, children of the living God. We are translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His Son. Come on. We take a whole new position the moment God comes into our lives. It is not a, 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 a gradual thing. It happens instantly. Come on, amen. All of you are just wondering. Oh, it seems so long, Pastor. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with what you are feeling or what you are going through right now. Positionally, you have been taken and made to sit together with Christ in heavenly places. There is an instant promotion and that's why believers function from that position. Amen. It's just like you discovering suddenly someone has put a, a few million dollars into your bank account. How would you behave? How would you act? What would you do? All right? Your entire life would be transformed when you realize that suddenly you've got all this backing. And this is what Jesus said. As my Father sent me with the entire backing of heaven, so send I you. You're not going to go out like, you know, whenever I teach on preaching, I always say to people, listen, if you want to preach, don't preach like Gerard standing here and Gerard is going to try and preach a message. You've got to stand as a preacher and preach. It is not me when I began to teach my wife how to preach. I would say to her, don't stand there and preach like Lifan is trying to bring a message to the people. You are the preacher. Stand as a preacher and preach. This is how we function in life. We start from a, a position of promotion. Say amen. David was a shepherd boy. Even his own father didn't want him to come out to be anointed, right? When there was the choosing of the, the boys, nothing. So a prophet visits the home, anoints him to be king. David goes out and functions still as a shepherd. But his position has changed dramatically. The prophet of God has anointed him. He is now pronounced as king before he even has, you know, a, a group of people to lead. The position, it is the promotion that comes when God's presence comes into your life. That's where it all begins. Alright? It begins with us understanding I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Come on, say amen. I am a child of God. Hallelujah. Now, what happens next is there is an adversary. I think we all need to understand that we do have an enemy. When the Philistines learned that David had made, been made king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces against him to attack and to enslave him. Then the Philistine army moved in, verse 9 says, and spread across the entire valley. They watched him. They watched him. Now listen to this one. See, David had worked very well with them before. Remember a place called Ziklag? David was part of their army. He was fighting with them. As long as he was with them, mingling with them, moving with them, everything was fine. David was not attacked in that sense. But the moment 
The moment they discovered, they watched him, the moment they discovered that he was now made king, when his position began to change, when he began to make progress, when he was advancing in his life, the enemy attacked. See, as long as we remain mediocre, when nothing is happening in our lives, there's no advancement, we are not taking any territory for the Lord, we're not reaching out to anyone, we will not be attacked. But the moment you start succeeding in your relationships, the moment you start succeeding in your jobs, the moment you start doing well in life, the enemy will attack. Because he does not like success. It is God who brings promotion. The enemy brings demotions. He tries to put you down. Come on. So as long as David was not king, it was fine. Just leave the boy alone. It's okay. But the moment he became king, they watched Watched him, watched him, and the enemy will watch. He goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But you know, the point is, he will wait until you start to succeed. See, for 30 years, the devil did not attack Jesus. The moment he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, baptized and anointed, went into the wilderness, the enemy came full force. 30 years, silence. Why? Because Jesus was not doing ministry. He was just, you know, submitting to his father and his mother. No attack whatsoever. It is only then, it says, the enemy attacked him. And then after the wilderness uh, battle, what happens is, it says, and the devil left him for a season, waiting for the next moment, and the next moment, and the next moment. Through our lives, as we make advancements in God, in our relationships, in, in our uh, businesses, whatever we are doing, there will be moments where the enemy will attack. And the purpose of the enemy attacking us is to enslave us. I'm no longer a slave to fear. It is to enslave us so that we will be locked in in, in our negativity. Our thinking will begin to be altered. We are no longer uh, advancing. We are no longer positive. We've got bitterness on the inside, impossibility thinking, anger, frustration. This is what the enemy does to enslave us. The adversary comes to enslave us. And as long as we are caught in that trap, then we are no longer a threat to him. So what does David do? Is there a way out of this? Now remember, as I said, the purpose of the attack is so that we can get bound up with negativity. I pray that you function and, and you move well with people who are positive. Please do not keep company with people who are always discouraged. We are there to help them, yes, but do not mingle so much with them because all they will do, it can spread like a cancer. Right? You need to be with people who will encourage you. That's why Paul writes constantly about encouraging one another, building one another up. These are the kind of people you want to move with. Come on, can I hear an amen? Right? This is very, very important because I see people hanging out. They are nice people and then they hang out with guys that are, or, or whoever, that are wrong and they are so negative. And soon they become just like that. By your friends, I can tell the kind of person you are. It's a famous saying. So if you keep the right kind of friends, you will be a right kind of person. Say amen. Amen. Hang out with the right kind of guys. So what happens is, how does David get out of it? All right. He finds a fortified place. Verse 8. But David heard the news and moved 
to his fortified place. Do you have a fortified place? In the Old Testament, God made sure that there were six, what they call cities of refuge. Three on either side of the Jordan River. The cities of refuge were the cities where the priests lived. And if they went to that city, they could escape. Only those cities, three on either side. Maimonides, who was a Jewish leader later on, you know, about a couple of hundred years after Christ, he decided that every city, there were 48 cities for the Levites, 48 cities. So he decided that all 48 cities would become cities of refuge. As long as there was a priest in that city, that city would become a city of refuge. What does this mean? It meant that if you did anything that was wrong, you did something that was bad, or you accidentally killed someone, people would come hunting for you, they would come to take revenge. You run to one of these cities and there you will be saved. So David had his own fortified city. May I suggest that the church is a fortified city? That your cell group is a fortified city? It is where you can come and people can cover you with their prayers. As long as there's prayer, there, there are prayers being offered in a certain place, that is your fortified city. Thank God we have a church where the people are very caring. One of the things uh, that was, you know, mentioned to us is your people are so caring. They are so loving. They, they see this demonstrated, you know, not only just at the funeral, but they see it demonstrated. People who have come into the church have found that our people are very nice. Say amen. Turn to the person beside you. Say, you are so nice. All right. So, okay. So anyway, this is where we find our fortified city. We are strong when we come into this place. Your care group is a fortified city. It's so important for us to gather in care groups. That's why we are encouraging you. It's not just an announcement we make. We are saying, please belong to a care group. And how they can pray over you and pray with you when you go through difficult times. Very often I will say to somebody, I will pray with you. I will not just say I will pray for you because I want to believe that the person is praying for themselves as well. Say amen. Pastor, pray for me. I'll pray with you. If you are praying, then I'll pray together with you. And together we can see a breakthrough. Can I hear an amen? But you need a fortified city. You need a place where you can gather uh, together with others and they can protect you. David had his fortified city. Do you have a fortified city? Now the next thing is, it says the important prayer. Verse 10, David sought the Lord in prayer. Prayer is not saying words to God. Prayer is seeking God to intervene in a situation. Come on. Would you say a prayer for me? No, I won't. Because it's not just saying a prayer for you. We've got to seek God's intervention. That's what prayer is. Prayer is coming and saying, God, unless you intervene in this situation, I'm not going to have a breakthrough. Unless you do something, prayer is a, 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 a coming out of ourselves and touching heaven to change earth. Come on. It is not just say, all right, I've got to say my prayers before I go to bed. Or in the morning I get up, I've got to say my prayers. This is not saying prayers. Prayer is actually touching God. 
getting God involved in a situation and believing that God will act. That's what happens. When, that's what happens when you start making advancements. The enemy attacks. There has to be an involvement of God. I never just say prayers. It's no point just saying prayers. No point just, you know, uttering things. Don't get religious with God. I keep saying this again and again. Don't get religious. Don't get spiritual with God. When you pray, you are saying, I need help. And I believe that you are there to help me. That when I ask you for something, you will come and be involved in what I'm asking you for. For he who comes to God and does not believe that God's going to answer him, what's the point? If you ask for God, if you ask wisdom from God, James says, and then you don't really believe it's going to come, what's the point? You're fooling yourself. Prayer is not making an empty wish. Prayer is really David sought the Lord. He wanted to make sure that he found him. You shall seek me and you shall find me. It's only when you seek me, then you shall find me when you search for me with all your heart. Don't draw close to God with your lips. And your heart is far. Pentecostals are very famous for doing this. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise God. God, thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Amen, yes, Jesus, hallelujah, praise the Lord. What's that? What's that? What, what, what are you doing? You're being religious. You may be Pentecostal, but you're being religious. You're not being real. God, I love you. God, I thank you. God, I praise you. That's why I say to you when we sing songs, please get involved in the song and you will discover your spirit begin to soar. If you don't, then you're just singing a song. It's just part of a karaoke group. Everybody's got a mic. Everybody is singing. This is not a sing-song session. This is a session where we touch God in a very real way. Something on the up there. There's a demon behind. <laughs> See, when, when... So, so... Excuse me. All right, thank you. So, th this is real. Listen, I, I want to get real with you guys this morning. You've got to seek the Lord. Even if it is a few moments, oh, I spent an hour in prayer. What did you do in that one hour? It's not the, the time you spend. It's who you're spending it with and what's happening in the time you have with Him. It's not clocking time with God. Today, I prayed one hour. That's not important. Like I've shared with you before, you know, I've, I've met this, this minister who talked about praying for four hours. I pray four hours every day. But the guy's a sourpuss. I mean, he's soursop. <laughs> I mean, the guy is sour. He's no joy. What is this? I thought in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. I enjoy praying. It is not enduring, oh, I got to go to a prayer. No, man, it's a wonderful thing to seek the Lord. You are talking about getting God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, involved in your problem. That's why David was called a man after God's own heart. You find King Saul, the first king of, of Israel, never prayed, not one prayer. You don't find one prayer. He was anointed to be king. He had the right position. 
But everything in his life went downhill to the place where he began, instead of seeking God, he went to seek a bomo to find the answers in life. Come on. Anointed the first king of Israel. Until today, the Jews honor him, Saul. But it is David, a young shepherd boy, who understood what it was. No wonder he could stand in a valley with a giant. Because he knew God was involved in everything that he did. He sought the Lord. Now listen very carefully to this one. This is important. He sought the Lord and it says, listen to the prayer. I mean, we, we say, uh, we got to pray, we got to sing like David sang. You know, we got to dance like David danced. How about praying like David prayed? Listen to his prayer, Psalm 73, 25, 26. Whom have I in heaven but you? And I desire no one on earth as much as you. My heart fails, my spirit droops, yet God remains. He is the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. There was one thing about David. He had his failures and everything else. He understood that God was so real. But I also want you to notice something else. He prayed... And, and sought the Lord and asked the Lord, shall I make an issue out of this? Before you start dealing with a marriage problem, your work, whatever situation, financial problem, ask God, should I make an issue out of this? Never go into battle with a spouse, with your boss, in your business without consulting God. Shall I do this? Now, we know David was a mighty warrior. But yet he said, listen, I've got to ask you this. Shall I make this an issue? You've got to ask God before you start fighting with one another or fighting over an issue with the boss or whatever you're going to do. God, shall I make this an issue? Because we don't. We move ahead, get into a battle, then we get all kinds of scars in the battle. Then we say, you know, why God didn't answer my prayer? That's because you did not consult Him before you went into the battle. Everything that we do must come from a, a session with God. Let the peace of God govern your hearts and minds. It says, be anxious over nothing, but in everything, come on, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will rule in your heart and mind, then you know God is saying, okay. How many of you know that when you ask, it says David sought the Lord in prayer and asked God, shall I or shall I not? And God replied. He will reply with peace in your heart. Or He will give you a, you know, a shaking inside of you where you don't know, shall I or shall I not? So when in doubt, don't. Don't move ahead of God. Come on. How do I get my breakthrough? Seek the Lord and He will answer you. He will. It may take time. We took such a long time praying for our building. A lot of time, uh, you know, a long time battling in fasting in prayer and getting people to pray together. It took a long time, but God will answer. Come on, church. We have a prayer answering God. Hallelujah. Amen. Why do things happen? Because we don't seek Him before we do 
this. God wants us never enter a battle before seeking God, whether it's a legal battle, whether it's a financial battle, marital work with children, you have a breakthrough, you want to have a breakthrough, and all. don't proceed ahead of God. Seek the Lord and He will be with you. Listen man, He will be with you. We may make mistakes in the way we handle things, but God will stand with you. He will lead you. He will help you. He will bring relationships back into order again. If we will just ask Him to be with me, Lord. Every time we do something, I'll always say, God, you've got to be with me. I can make preparations for sermons, but I'll say, unless you do something, nothing's going to take place. Because this is not an ordinary thing. This is touching heaven and changing earth. Come on, amen. You want to see things happen in your, your family, your business, whatever it may be. God must come in. All right, last of all, you've got to name the place. Verses 10, verse 11. God replied, yes, go ahead. You can certainly count on me to give you the victory. Isn't that nice? How many of you would like to hear that from God? You can count on me. I will help you to get the victory. So David went out, defeated them, and David said, I watched the Lord break through my enemies like a mighty flood. So he named the place. He named the place. When the enemy comes in like a flood, Isaiah 59, 19, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard. The enemy comes in like a flood. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could name a place where God broke through? I sought the Lord in my finances and I watched the Lord break through. I sought the Lord concerning my family and I watched the Lord break through. Baal Perazim. I will name this place Baal Perazim. I sought the Lord concerning different areas and I watched the Lord break through. So if we really want to see a breakthrough, we've got to say, I sought and I watched. I sought and I watch. This morning, the message basically to us is this. He who comes to God must believe that God is who he says he is. Come on, amen. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's basically the message. If you want to see God have a breakthrough in your life, you've got to understand that God is true to his word. He who comes to God must believe. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. But you must come to Him believing not only that He is who He is as God, but that He is a rewarder. God, you are a rewarder of those that seek you. I take you at your word. We sang the song just now, He will fulfill every promise, every dream, everything. God will do it but we just have to seek Him. If you believe in the reality of God, you must seek Him. If we say, yes, God, I, I serve God, God is real, we've got to seek Him then and let Him become as real as He really wants to be to us. Can I hear an amen? Stand with me.